This is Alan. This is Brandon. And welcome to D6 Minutes, the short miniature gaming podcast where we choose a topic and talk about it for as long as the dice decide. All right, so I think we've got our usual topic to start with, and that would be, what have you been up to? Let's see first how long we're going to talk about it. One minute. So this is short and sweet. Yep. So what have I been up to? Hmm. Look, take a look at your desk. I was painting just the other day. Oh, yeah, more orcs. (laughs) So Uh I just finished the orcs that that I'd been talking about last time. Um, But then I found out I had more orcs left. So I have like three more grots and a runter. And I realized I need one more grot. So I don't know how I'm going to find that. I might, I might paint a goblin that I have from, from uh, the Orcs and Goblins set, uh, like Fantasy Goblin, and then give it a gun so that I can finish it, just so that I can have two full squads of 30 grots. So that's yeah, well, basically uh, what I've been working on. And I'm looking so forward to finishing this, this, this number of Orcs, like fanta- uh, sorry, sci-fi Orcs, so I can move on to uh, Infinity. How about you? I have actually been painting Infinity on that topic. I think on the last ones I've been mentioning, I've been painting O12. So I've mm-hmm. moved on from sort of more of the lighter, hidden, like mimetism, hard to hit stuff onto the heavy yeah. armor stuff. And I'm just blocking out colors and sort of just working out color schemes for them, painting something, deciding it doesn't work, painting it over again. But it's only the base coat, so it doesn't take too long okay. to go back and do it again. For one guy, just testing it out. No, there, I had five guys I started. Why, why would you base coat five guys when you're not sure about the... <laughs> it's seven. Because, because if you're base coating a whole bunch of guys at once, you constantly like bring back out that color to base coat something else. And you're like, oh, this sure, actually I look guess. better this color than this other model. But I feel like you want to decide on your color scheme first. But all right. Well, that's have a, that. Have a color scheme. Anyway. All right. Now on to the topics. Do you want to go first or should I? I think so. So sort of on that note of painting things, it's my question. I hope I haven't asked this before, but how many hours per week on like a typical week would you want to be painting? Okay. I dropped it on the floor. It doesn't count. Floor doesn't count. Rules. Many were giving rules. One minute. Oh wow! Okay, it's gonna be a couple of lots of topics. Like a blistering number of topics, if it discontinues. All right. So, in my opinion, want is different than actually doing. Obviously, uh, yeah. how, how much I think would ideally uh, five to ten hours, at least five. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm gonna go for six. Wait. Yeah. So six. Mm-hmm. What does six represent? Like doing. Yeah, six hours. Six hours. Oh. That's doable. Also, I'm like, I guess I would want to do more, but then it'd be it's like it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know it's... if you can just fit it in, right? Six yeah, is about... definitely doable. Yeah, I'm thinking about how long the average painting session is, and it might be like two and a half hours. Yeah, two and a half hours, two or three hours. When we have our painting night, it's uh like three hours. Yeah, but that that's slowed down. So it's like 75% of a real Still counts. Thing. Does count. <laughs> so I think you could probably handle like more than two of those, like two full painting sessions a week, plus like a short little bit of doing something here and there, which is hitting, hitting your like six to 10 yeah. hours of painting a week. So I was thinking yeah. the number off the top of my head was like eight hours of painting a week is it's not going to burn you out. That's true. The, the issue with eight 
Well, I would like to talk about it, but we ran out of time. Yep. All right, next topic. Uh-huh. We should All come right, back to this. We could have a part two on another episode. <laughs> yeah, we could be like, how much time is too much? All right. Oh, I forgot to I forgot to choose the topic first. <laughs> I you rolled to, for it first. Does it count? Does it count? I ready. If you declare your attack before you make the roll. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I got to re-roll. So, so we've been thinking, well, there's been like a, a lot of popular games that have been on my mind uh, and how that interacts with the non-popular stuff. So my question is, um, do you think popular games and settings are cyclical? Like what's popular and what's not? Three minutes. Hmm. I think they're cyclical. Oh, so I'm trying to think of what actually happens in reality for games that are extremely popular. And I find that they don't, they have a surge, obviously, at the beginning, mm-hmm. like every game pretty much does. But mm-hmm. I find they don't taper off nearly as much as the more niche games, like the niche games uh-huh. at the very beginning, loads of people will jump into them and like over 90% of people will fall out. But uh-huh. with the bigger, more popular titles, you don't see the same drop off. So if you, if you're calling cyclical something like if you're making it a relative comparison, I'm going to say the big games are far less cyclical than your, your medium to small size titles. Mm, okay. How about settings? Ooh. That to me is like, that's, that's a whole different settings, that kind of stuff. So it's okay. This is a two part question. Like what's right. the cyclical nature. Basically, is there a cyclical nature in our, in our hobby? Oh, for, for small games, it's cyclical just because the new hotness comes out. And when it's like a smaller game and it gets limited releases. You're, you're think, yeah, but I mean, like, to me, I was thinking more about, like, okay, that's fine. That's Your that's answer is totally fine and it's totally answering the thing. Uh-huh. My thought when I was formulating the question was more like, is 40K cyclical? Is, you know, Infinity is getting up there. Is, an, is, is, uh, is the hotness of Infinity cyclical? Uh, is Age of Sigmar cyclical? I guess Age of Sigmar, I don't know. Like, is there ups and downs in terms of them coming back? And I think there probably is in terms of additions, but in between additions, I, I do wonder because I feel like Age of like 40K has dipped down quite a bit. And then you, in my opinion, versus 8th edition and the beginning of COVID when no one had anything better to do and all they knew about miniature gaming was, oh yeah, we should go buy 40K models, right? And I'm just wondering if that is actually a cycle outside of just this, you know, COVID thing, right? So, and if if it's going to dip down soon, and it's and people are just going to go and play other games, right? People feed in from from 40k, then mm-hmm. they feed out. Once they get bored of 40k, they go and play other games, and then you know the entire hotness of 40k kind of dies down a bit. It's obviously still going to be the biggest game, right? And it's still going to have most people coming in. But then at some point in the future, is it going to get jump up and be hot again? Because I don't think this not edition did it. That's that's my opinion. Oh, so, so your question's more like are certain editions like a cycle? No, like, I'm just thinking mm-hmm. about in general this the cyclical nature of that. And then also in settings, because you have fantasy, then you go is does fantasy become popular? Then sci-fi becomes popular, then maybe some alter something else besides fantasy like medieval fantasy and sci-fi becomes popular and then so those obviously just cycle throughout so obviously we're almost out of time on this one but i think the uh-huh. biggest factor i could see towards contributing towards like the cycle of sci-fi being in or 
fantasy being in might just be like what's out there in pop culture. Like, was there a big Lord of the Rings movie or a big like fantasy series like mm-hmm. Game of Thrones being out lately? That's like, oh my God, there's so much awesome fantasy going on. Yeah. Or did like a new Star Wars movies aren't so good anymore, but <laughs> did like Dune yeah. drop and then be like, oh my God, yeah. sci-fi is amazing. I think what's outside yeah. of the miniature world might actually push it more than what's in the miniature world. Which anyway. is almost certainly cyclical. Oh yeah. All right, fair enough. All right, next topic. All right. Okay, I hope this one doesn't go on for too long. But we always talk about hoarding stuff in miniature games. Uh-huh. And I think one of the things that lends themselves towards being hoarded are limited release models. Uh-huh. And my question is, what should you what should you do with buying and keeping limited release models, exclusive stuff like that? Okay. In games that you play, obviously. Three minutes. All right. Okay. What should you do? Um, so in some game, like I guess to describe the limited release thing, it's like in some games they'll put out like a limited release sculpt of certain things, or there'll be like special events that we put out limited sculpts of things. Like yeah. GW now has like their store days if you show up like they'll have like a limited release of like a captain or something else like that, that. You can get, if you go to the store and like complete some sort of thing, infinity does it all the time when they release books. Yep. So you should buy them if possible and paint them and push them up in the queue so that mm-hmm. you can show them off to all your friends while they're still hot and still fresh in the mind of the people who didn't get the limited release. So like, just as you know, people who, as just as it's no longer available, you should you <laughs> yeah. haven't finished painting, so you can put it on the table to play with your friends and show it off. And they're like, "Oh my god, that's so cool! Where do you get it?" And you're like, oh, "I can't get it anymore. Actually, it was limited release. Sorry, man, you missed the window." That's what you should do. <laughs> I, I like that answer. Just show show this stuff off to people. Yeah, I, yep. like, I, I was gonna say just like jam it in your cupboard and just cover it. <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> Well, no, because honestly, I, I usually come around to finding something to do with these things eventually. Huh? But yeah. your answer is probably Chop better. them up. <laughs> uh, Chop them up so that they're like kit bash. You're like, oh, that's a cool kit bash. Yeah, these are five different limited release models that had nothing to do with them. Like I didn't uh, know what to do with, so I chopped them up to create one model. I only do that once in a while. But <laughs> that falls into my strategy of just like buy the thing and find something to do with it. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes they get chopped up. <laughs> But I think your answer is better to, so that you push the FOMO the other way. It's like, oh, it's the FOMO coming towards, oh, man, I wish I had that. You're like, no, I got it. And then I rubbed it in everybody else's faces. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Well, we still have one more minute to talk about it. So, so what's a third thing you could do with them? So I think I just you could also consider as like supporting the company, just putting out, if you really like the company, That's just true. support by buying their, their weird crap. Maybe you do sometimes. I buy two just mm-hmm. so that I can pump one out quickly and then I can hoard the second one for when I have more time and I can like really put my time into doing it. So, but but those are really special ones that I really like, and it's more about just really liking the model, not mm-hmm. really about the fact that it's limited release. So, we would never recommend like using it as an investment vehicle to no make money. Miniatures, no. If, if you're talking about card games, sure. Apparently, those are like super hot collectibles. But no, man. 
no, even all right. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, we can save the exclusive talk for later. Okay. All right. I think this might be the last one. Uh, and the question is, what size brush do you use ninety percent of the time? Four minutes. Holy crap! All right. Well, I guess we have to justify this one, and that'll finish off the podcast. So, because we have four minutes, I'll give some context. Um, I we I paint a lot of like twenty eight millimeter scale and things that size. Uh-huh. So that obviously affects what we talk about for the brushes we use. Like if you did a lot of terrain, it'd be different. But since we, mm-hmm. we both do a lot of 28, I find I use the number one brush a lot. Mm-hmm. And obviously that has to do with the size of the measures. But just because I paint so much Infinity 2, Infinity has lots of different surfaces going on with it. So when mm-hmm. you've got it, even when you're base coating the model, you've got mm-hmm. to like get the lines between each area well done so that using bigger brushes like sure you could go faster but you're going to start making more of a mess so i find that i just do the large areas typically with a number one like interesting just because you got to do the edges so i don't want to switch back and forth between brushes just pull out a crappy number one not like a good yeah. nice sharp tip one pull out a crappy number one for painting like pretty detailed 28 uh-huh. and then just start painting everything with it Interesting. Yeah, number one is fine. Uh, I do find sometimes I'll switch to a number one, but my go-to brush is a number two now. Yeah, but you use one with a better tip to it? Yeah, of course. Well, yeah. obviously. <laughs> right. So then, so th- here's the thing. I think number two to even up to number four, you're starting, you usually have a good enough, maybe number four is a bit cutting it, but like two and three, I think you can do a lot of the basic work of getting into details because it comes to a point, right? As long as your number two and and three come to a point, you can generally fit it onto the spots that you want as like the points that you want because it comes to a point. And miniatures, they're small, right? But because you're coming to a point, there's not a a lot of spaces where, where you need to like, finally thread your brush in without fucking things up right which is why you need a number one sometimes right you want to get into the details without accidentally brushing something around it but if you have a tip and you have decent brush control you can do a lot of that in fact i think most of that with a number two and so number two is my go-to right now um no pun intended um and then i use a number one and i kind of want to try using number fours and stuff but i only ever bought like shitty number fours and number fours are so fucking expensive for a nice number four. Oh, if you get um, a I'm nice one, them. yeah, those are like 30. Oh my God, balls. they're like yeah. more than 30. Because the issue is number four just has more sable. So it takes like so much more sable than a number two or one. So those things are already like expensive, 15, 20 bucks. It just ramps up a lot. So uh, I'm afraid of buying a number five, four or five sable. Yeah. Like so on the note of nice two. sable brushes, my I couldn't find easily any more Vallejo Kalinskis, which were typically my go-to for uh-huh. decent sable brushes. So I ended up buying price. Artist, Artist Opus brush, which is in the same uh-huh. price range. But I found the, the bristles are a tad bit longer, which uh-huh. for doing edge highlighting, I don't like. For doing black blending, I like really? it. But for painting edges, I just don't bristles. like it. because holds, holds more water. I know, but I find I get more control out of the shorter 
interesting because it's more stiff, I guess, because it's shorter. Yeah, which so I find I don't like it quite as much for the edge highlighting as the shorter tipped phileos. Mm. I think that might also relate into my not liking to do just blocking out areas with longer brushes, just because I find I get more control with a shorter tipped brush, but obviously you don't get as much paint on it and you got to keep refilling it and you risk more getting it up into the you risk the paint going up into the ferrule of the brush and damaging it. So, so you have to keep you have to keep unloading your brush and washing it off more and reloading it more for a shorter brush. But, a, yeah. But I like the control. So I think that's why I prefer going small. Interesting. Anyhow, that is our that all right. That's like a bonus extra little tidbit about about that. Mm-hmm. And those are our topics. So uh yeah, this has been D6 Minutes. Uh if you have a topic that you want us to talk about. Uh, or any questions or comments you want to tell us that we're totally wrong, uh, yeah, give us a shout. Uh, you can email us at contact at diceovereverything.com. Yeah, or find us on Fice, Facebook, or Dice Over Everything, or come let us know what you're up to on Dice Over Everything group. All right. It's been Alan. Yeah, it's been Brandon. Bye. <laughs>